The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning in today. I am joined by Dr. Ray Smith, a chiropractor here in New York State. Dr. Smith is a leader in the New York State Chiropractic Association and owns her own practice where her and her clinical team focus on evidence-based techniques to help their clients improve their day-to-day function with less pain. On today's episode, we talk about what chiropractic work actually entails, what to expect if you go to see a chiropractor, and which MS symptoms can be alleviated from chiropractic work. Dr. Ray Smith, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Dr. Gretchen. Thank you. Yeah. So before we jump into all of my questions, I'd love to ask you a question from my interview deck to help our listeners get to know you more on a personal level. Is that okay with you? Yep. Awesome. Okay. So I'm just shuffling over here. Your question is, do you like to plan things out in detail or be spontaneous? I am definitely very detail oriented and anybody who knows me will say that is definitely the answer. I'm not spontaneous by any means. (laughs) I try to be a little bit of both, but I'm definitely leaning more towards the detail oriented. I like to know what's going on. I was actually just talking to somebody about this today. I really like to plan out trips, but I don't like to schedule or create an itinerary for the trip. So I guess in that aspect, I kind of like to go with the flow if I'm on vacation, but my day-to-day life, everything is in my calendar. Everything is very detail-oriented. Yeah. I feel like it almost has to be as a chiropractor. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just used to constantly keeping a schedule. And I'm also surprised, this is another conversation I just happened to have today. Our office generally runs on time because we are very cognizant and respectful of other people's time as well as our time. So we generally are very much sticking to our schedule, whereas other offices, I've had patients tell me that they go there and they know that they're going to wait for an hour, which is mind boggling to me. Oh my gosh. My twin sister just went to a chiropractor a few weeks ago and she had to wait 45 minutes for her first session. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's just crazy to me. I would never make a patient wait that long unless there's something astronomical that happened. And even I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, if I run five minutes behind, it stresses me out. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into it. So the first question I wanted to ask you is about what chiropractors do. Cause I know a lot of the times that I talk to my clients about the possibility of going to a chiropractor, the first thing that they tell me is, Oh, they're just going to crack my bones. Like what, what is that going to do for me? And a lot of people think chiropractic work is just cracking and manipulating your bones. And that's a piece of it, but there's so much more to it. Can you explain? I know it's a loaded question, but can you explain a bit about all the things that chiropractors can do? 
Right. So our education is in assessment, diagnosis, and treatment of neuromusculoskeletal conditions. And our national license covers a very wide gamut of it. Our degree is very similar education to a medical doctor, but we specialize in different areas, whereas we get 1,500 hours of neuromusculoskeletal diagnosis, whereas an MD might only have a 15-hour course. And vice versa, we have one 15-hour course in pharmacology, whereas they have 1,500 hours in pharmacology. So we have the same knowledge base as a medical doctor, but we just specialize differently. And I think that I hear sometimes people go to their primary care and their primary care doesn't know what to do with them, but it's not their fault because that's not their specialty. That's our specialty. Our state license in New York is very small. So we cannot practice our entire national license. So for example, if I were to practice in one of the Western states like Washington, Oregon, we had to take an obstetrics course because they can deliver babies and do minor surgery. And we had to learn how to draw blood. In New York, we don't do those things. We stick to neuromusculoskeletal and spine. We also do extremity and we just relate it back to the spine. So when it comes to a patient being referred to us and a lot of people are scared because they've heard something somewhere along the line that somebody told them or they Googled something and were shocked by it. But really the adjustment or the quote unquote cracking or what we call a cavitation is less than 1% of what I do on a daily basis. So we treat soft tissue disorders. We do some modalities. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we are going to do manual adjustments. But then again, some people can't be manually adjusted. HVLA, high velocity, low amplitude adjustments. So we use other techniques. Sometimes we use a drop table, which is using gravity in order to do the adjustment. Sometimes we use an activator or a mechanical instrument in order to do the adjustment, which is also very low force. And sometimes we just do mobilizations, which is applying pressure to the joint, but not actually fully manipulating it. So again, that was a lengthy explanation of a lot of the things that we do. For us, we are in our practice, we're considered diversified. So we practice a lot of different things and we use a lot of different techniques that are individualized for the patient. There are some chiropractors who choose to only focus on the adjustments is a very different way of practicing. And so again, I think culturally, a lot of people know about that piece of it, but for our practice and what I do, that's just one tiny piece of what I do. Yeah. I'm glad you're able to share that because there's so much more to it. And, you know, as you mentioned, there's exercises, stretching modalities, there's there's more than just manipulating joints and cavitations, cracking bones. Like there, it's more than just that. And it can be helpful. You know, can you give us some ideas of why people might come to you in the first place that you can help with? Yeah. So we were talking earlier, some patients with MS come to me with their diagnosis and they tell me off the bat, I was diagnosed at such and such time by such and such doctor. I'm under management of X, Y, and Z these are my presenting symptoms. So in that role, when they already have a diagnosis, my job is kind of co-management in their pain management and functionality. Nothing that I'm doing is going to affect their 
progress. And I'm also not going to make them any worse by any of the treatment that we do. And I think that's another thing that some people are possibly scared of. They're really just scared of the unknown because they don't know how their body is going to react when they try something new. Again, it's more pain management, symptom management, creating functionality where they otherwise can't. A lot of patients have muscle spasm, which is obviously one thing that we can address and treat. On the other aspect, there are some patients that are not aware that's what's going on. And they present to me that they have intermittent numbness tingling in their feet, which again is something that I see very frequently in a lot of people that don't have MS. They have either a central disc herniation, they have a peripheral neuropathy, maybe they have a central chemical radiculopathy. Those are the typical things that we would see. And with our examination, that's something that I would determine where is it actually coming from? So when I have a patient that possibly could have MS, they usually present with upper motor neuron lesions or positive neurological findings that are abnormal and are not in line with these other things that are kind of run of the mill. So typically we don't order imaging off the bat unless it is medically necessary. So if a patient comes to me with numbness tingling in their feet and they're otherwise neurologically intact, I don't need to order x-rays. I don't need to order an MRI. It's not going to change my treatment. But if I have that same patient that does have positive upper motor neuron lesion findings in their neuro exam, that's something that we would have to look at imaging more quickly, whether it's x-ray or MRI. And then typically an MRI is how it's diagnosed. Right. Awesome. So let's say you have a person that walks into your office who has MS and they're having difficulty walking. What are some things that they might expect to be doing in that first session or maybe not even the first session, but, you know, some follow-up sessions with you? It's really variable depending on where the lesions are, whether it's in the brain, in the cervical spine and the thoracic spine how their symptoms are. I always educate all of my patients on the first day. I call it homework, like things that they can do active care wise, things they can do at home or work or school in order to help themselves. So a lot of the first visit is history, examination, if we need to order any additional images. Otherwise, we start our first treatment the first day. And then at the end of the visit, I give a lot of active care or homework for them to go home with. I educate patients about the difference between ice versus heat. So again, for MS patients, a lot of them, heat is not good and can make their symptoms worse depending on where the heat is. So if they have a lower body symptom and their lesions are in the thoracic spine and they put heat on their neck, it's probably not going to make them worse. But if they try to go out running or walking or biking and they're increasing their core temperature, it probably could make them worse. So that's when ice can decrease pain and inflammation and lower their core body temperature in order to decrease symptoms. So that's one of the first things that I give all of the MS patients is that difference because a lot of people don't understand the difference. I think that internally they know what it feels like, but they don't understand why one feels better than the other and in which case they should. So again, if they're using heat on their hips, it's probably not going to make their symptoms worse, but if they're increasing their core body temperature, it probably will. If they are having difficulty walking, if it is bilateral, if both of their legs are affected, 
we can work on gait pattern. If it's more one-sided than the other, then we first focus on muscle imbalance. And most people present with hypertonicity or overly tight muscles and spasm, but some people have progressed enough that they have hypotonicity where they have lost some of their muscle tone because the disease has been there for so long that they have muscle wasting. In that case, it's not likely that we're going to get muscle tone back necessarily, but we need to work with the muscle tone that they have in order for it to function properly again. So again, gait analysis and giving small changes in how they move from sitting to standing, standing to sitting, walking, stairs, everything day-to-day that we don't necessarily think about, but these patients have to think about all the time. Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to chime in and let you know that if you're having difficulty with any of these movements or symptoms that Dr. Smith is referring to, please know that you're not alone and there are exercises that can help. I have a free five-day MS strength challenge where I teach you the right way to exercise when you have MS to improve your day-to-day movements. If you haven't participated in the challenge yet, check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's jump back in. Even just getting in and out of the car, depending on if it's unilateral, bilateral, if your right leg is affected, getting out of the car is not so much a problem, but getting into the car would probably be a problem. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And can you touch for us on the difference between evidence-based care and philosophy-based care when it comes to chiropractic work? Yeah. So in our practice, we are evidence-based chiropractic. And I touched on that a little bit earlier when I was talking about our diversified technique. Everything that we do is based in research. So meta-analysis studies over the years in order to prove the effectiveness of the treatments that we're doing the protocols that we are doing, the frequency in which we do or do not order additional diagnostic imaging or testing. Philosophy-based chiropractic is very traditional and really focuses on the adjustment and vitality of the adjustment. And sometimes they will adjust one segment of the spine and believe that it affects other areas in the body. I don't like to use that word believe because there's a long history of people not quote unquote believing in chiropractic. And what we do is actually a science. So in our education, we have science, art, and philosophy. So we want to have a little bit of all of this in our practice. So in our practice and more evidence-based, we are more in line with the science. The art of it is the finesse of the adjustment. And then the philosophy is how we look at a patient holistically, whereas philosophical base is kind of the opposite. They focus on the wellness and the vitality first, and then the finesse, and then the science comes later or might not even be in those techniques that they use. Wow. That's interesting. It makes a lot of sense, but that is cool. How depending on which one the clinic focuses on the other two might be less important. Right. And sometimes I'll get a patient, I'm thinking of another MS patient who had seen other chiropractors before and had bad experiences and they were science-based, they were evidence-based, they were philosophical-based. All of the different types of techniques 
you know this very well. If you go to one PT, you're not going to get the same effect. You're not going to get the same outcomes as if you see somebody who's next door. So it's the same thing with chiropractic. There's no bad chiropractors. We just practice differently. So if someone has a bad experience, it makes my heart break. But at the same time, it's not that that chiropractor was bad. It's just that it wasn't the right fit for them. Yeah. So are there any questions that someone with MS could call and ask a clinic about a clinician that they might see prior to going that might help them determine if it's a good fit or not? That is a harder question to answer because again, even in our practice, we have several chiropractors and we all practice slightly differently. So if somebody comes into our office, I'll use us as an an example. If someone comes into our office and we know that personality wise or condition wise, they would be a good fit for us. That's great. But if I know that there's someone else in the practice that would be a better fit for them, we'll let them know off the bat, this provider has more experience in this condition and would be a better fit for you. Or this other provider does this specialized technique that would probably help you. So again, referring to other chiropractors outside of our office, I think that's where a lot of people get a misconception too, is there's a lot of solo practitioners that might only stay within their wheelhouse and do what they want to do. And that's totally fine. We work interprofessionally amongst our office. But then again, if I know that there's another chiropractor who specializes in something that none of us are really versed on, then I will refer out to them too, because I want that patient to find the best fit for them, whether it's in our office or another office. Yeah. And I think it's important to find a chiropractor like that. If anyone listening is interested in seeking out chiropractic work, it's so important to find a chiropractor that has that mindset because you do want someone who's going to be the best fit for you. And you do want someone who's going to be part of the team with that multidisciplinary care versus just someone who might be just working with you on their own and not share the information with everyone else. And it might not even be giving you all the best strategies. Right. So like I said, it's kind of a vague answer to say that there's not one specific technique that (laughs) will help every single patient. And we know that. Yeah. And I think that's true in all areas of MS care. Nutrition is different for everyone. Medications, physical therapy, chiropractic work, you know, there's absolutely every, every area, there's no one size fits all. So I think it's important to find a therapist that understands that and is able to deliver. And I think honesty is the best key off the bat from the provider. If you call a provider or if you go into an initial visit to a provider and you feel like you're not getting the full story or your questions are not fully answered, that might be a red flag that that is probably not a good fit for you because patients should always be seen and heard. It doesn't matter if it is related to their condition or not. Sometimes I play therapist and that's okay too for that day. But yeah, I think ultimately having honesty upfront from the provider and having a good trusting relationship off the bat is most important. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us about your role as a leader in the New York State Chiropractic Association? Yeah, so our New York State Chiropractic Association is one of two associations in the state we're currently working on unifying into one association. 
over the years, I have had several different roles in leadership positions at the district and now at the state level. So my current position is communication secretary. I'm one of the executive officers for the New York State Chiropractic Association. So my role is to facilitate communication, obviously, to the membership, but also to other professionals and to the general public about what our profession does and where our profession is going in the future. So we lobby in Albany and put forth bills in order to better our profession so that we can practice closer to what our national license allows. Again, our national license is very all-inclusive and our New York State scope currently is very small. So that is one example of ways that we are trying to improve our profession in the state of New York is to have more access to things that we already know how to do, but the state just doesn't allow us to do that. Other things that we're working on are partnership bills with Title VIII coalition providers, but ultimately we're promoting the chiropractic profession and it's a really good network of other professionals. I, like I said, have come up through the association, but I had a lot of good mentors along the way too. And it was kind of like free practice 101 because we learn a lot in school, but that's the reason why they call it practice is you can't learn everything in school. Every day is a new challenge. And so through the association, I've had a lot of good mentors. And now in these leadership roles, I feel like I'm a mentor to others as well. That's amazing. I feel like you're doing such a great job advocating for the profession, not only to clinicians, but also people who need this type of work to live a life with better function, better confidence, independence. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So if anyone wants to learn more about you, and especially if there are listeners in New York state, specifically Western New York, can you share with us how people can find you? Yes. Our website is eastavcairo.com. And we have links on there to Facebook and Instagram at eastavcairo. Awesome. And I'll put that link in the show notes. So anyone who's listening can just go there to find that. Thank you so much for being with us today. I really wanted you on this podcast to just kind of debunk some of the thoughts that are really common around chiropractic care that are just not true. And I think that hearing this episode will make people less fearful and hopefully more open to the idea of maybe seeking out chiropractic work if they have symptoms that might need a fix. Yes, that's excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.